We are live. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I am so excited to be here. I am at the QGIF conference. This is Julia Campbell. Um, if you're listening, I am going to be recording this for the podcast. So to my podcast listeners, hello. Everyone watching on LinkedIn um, live, hello as well. Um, so we're in sunny Orlando, not super warm, unfortunately. That's why I am so pale. <laughs> unfortunately, I didn't get a tan um, at this conference, but I did see people swimming in the pool this morning. So I was, they're crazy. Yeah. Um, but we're at the QGIF conference and it's my first time here. Um, where over 100 nonprofits are joined together to learn about digital marketing and fundraising, peer-to-peer, -peer, how to build engagement and how to just get more donations rolling in. So I'm here to talk today um, with Melena Cromie. Melena is the PR and communications director at QGive. And we're going to talk today about the role of technology in fundraising. We're going to talk about some of the new trends from the fundraising effectiveness project that have come out or some of the new data and statistics on philanthropy. Uh, we're also gonna talk about just trends, the future, what you see, what QGIVE sees. Yeah. And we're gonna celebrate and talk about the exciting acquisition um, that Bloomerang, yeah, Bloomerang acquired QGIVE, which is exciting. Friends of the podcast for sure um, and a lot of my friends work at both companies. So we're just super, super excited. So thanks for coming. Well, thanks for joining us Yay. at QGIF conference. Yes. I'm so happy to have you here. I know. My session is tomorrow. If you're at the conference, it's um, storytelling, how to find your storytelling DNA. It'll be tomorrow. But how, like, how's it been going so far? So far, it's so been many great. Yeah. We've got a lot of people coming in from very snowy and cold areas. Yeah, I'm one of those people. Yep. yep. So it's just fantastic. You know, nothing beats seeing nonprofit fundraisers and yeah. staff face-to-face -face, having conversations about right. their challenges and their wins yeah. that really just helps us mm -hmm. as a company yeah. develop more great content for fundraisers when oh. we know what they're going through it's amazing um so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself rather sure. than have me read your bio <laughs> the one thing i will say that we've bonded over is melina's the huge parks and rec fan and if you know me or have met me or know anything about me, you know that I, it's one of my favorite shows as well. So Leslie, nope. I actually have the Nope 2020 oh, t-shirt. So jealous. Yeah, I know. Someone bought that for me. So, But yeah, tell us about your history and how you got started in this work. Yeah. So as Julia said, my name is Melena Cromie. I have been at QGIF for just over four years now as a communications and marketing guru. So I work on developing a lot of our content that you may see or read. Uh, before joining the QGIF team, I actually worked as a fundraiser myself. I was in higher education right. as a director of annual giving. And yeah. so direct mail is still a piece of me and a part of my heart. Yep. My friends make fun of me because I love saving direct mail. It's, <laughs> oh, I do too. It may be a little nerdy, but you know, I'm okay with admitting yes. that. Yes. Do you know John Lepp? Yes. Um, so he has a TikTok account <laughs> and it's called, I think it's called Don's Mail. I'm going to get my kid his mother's name wrong. Oh, Gail's Mail. And his mother donates to several different charities up yeah. in Toronto every year and saves all the direct mail pieces that she gets for him and analyzes them. And he is on TikTok. And so I thought, I mean, I was like, who started TikTok about direct mail? But it's hugely entertaining. And I, I think it's really it. interesting. Yeah. Also, yeah. Comparing direct mail, you can kind of see how different nonprofits tell their story yeah. and the design elements that go into an appeal. Right. right. We'll talk about it all day. Yeah, absolutely. So today we're going to talk about technology 
um, and trends. And mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of sessions at this conference around peer-to-peer -peer fundraising, around um, donor acquisition, around AI and fundraising. Mm -hmm. um, but I did some questions to you. So what are some of the trends that you see in emerging technology and kind of what role is that playing in shaping the future yeah. of fundraising? So technology, as our CEO Todd said in the opening session today, technology is really a multiplier, right? It's not meant to make something else go away. Right. Ideally, what it does yeah. is it helps a team, yeah. multiplies your efforts, multiplies what you're able to produce. So some trends that we're anticipating and seeing emerge are more interconnected systems so that fundraisers don't have to go to a bunch of separate places to send an email, right. to look up a donor's giving history. Interconnectedness is really an upcoming trend. Um, AI, of course. Yeah. We all know ChatGPT burst on the scene <laughs> last year. For some of us, it was terrifying. For others, it was like, oh, this is exhilarating. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's lots to consider there when it comes to like donor privacy, what you upload into ChatGPT, but I think it can certainly be a tool that you use to help your fundraising initiatives. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And the, and my friend, our friend, Josh Hirsch yeah. um, of Soup of Strategies is doing a session on it right after this, actually. Which is That's amazing. That's I'm going to go to. <laughs> Good. Yeah. 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 And then engaging donors. I think expectations really changed after 2020 when yeah. it comes to the events that our donors want to attend, right? Absolutely. Now we have this new understanding of, well, I can stay at home and participate and be comfortable. Yeah. So what is an event that's exit the house worthy? Oh yeah. And what does that mean? <laughs> what Putting engagement? on pants worthy. Exactly, yeah. right? No, I <laughs> so okay. those are all things that we're kind of keeping a pulse on. Okay, cool. So I also wanted to discuss, um, just because you are so involved, with real on the ground, like bootstrapping, small business nonprofits, the the state of nonprofit fundraising. Mm -hmm. So the fundraising effectiveness project report that came out last year really got some people, myself included, kind of upset. I mean, I see the opportunities yeah. that it was presented. There were some bright spots. Um, but really, what do you see? What do you make of these trends like what do you make of yeah the, this downward trend in the number of donors and the number of donations being made yeah so obviously 2020 the fundraising effectiveness project published their data and yep. we saw a large growth in donor numbers yeah. lots of new first-time donors coming in supporting mm -hmm. different causes during a very tumultuous time in our country and around the world mm -hmm. Um, since 2020, members have fallen, donor retention has also fallen, and so has overall dollars raised, which is, yeah. to your point, is concerning. Right. It is definitely distressing, I'm sure, not only for us, but the fundraisers that are in these roles, right? So the way that, the message that we've been sending from QGIP since these negative trends started emerging is to focus on donor retention. That really is everything. Mm -hmm. If donor retention is your North Star, yeah. so to speak, you will be building pathways with donor engagement prioritized, frequent communication is prioritized, mm -hmm. and all these little touch points that make a more meaningful donor experience. Yeah. So it's not just they hear from you in November for your annual appeal, they receive a thank you after their holiday gift. They receive a survey. What touch points can we add in to make the donor experience more engaging, more fulfilling? 
I just, I hear so much in my work with nonprofits doing social media marketing mm. and, and digital marketing, email marketing. They don't want to annoy their donors. And it's yeah. so interesting. I'm thinking like Target sends me 50 emails a day, you know, or <laughs> yeah. any number of, you know, Sephora, wherever the other um, companies that I subscribe to. And sure, like I don't buy something every time they send me an email, but I like to be you know, talk to and kept abreast of what's happening yeah. and, you know, kept up to date in case, and I have that FOMO, like I don't want to miss out on a good sale or miss out For on sure. something exciting. So I think how can we convince nonprofits that they're not communicating enough? And I absolutely mm -hmm. agree with you. That is a, I think that's why donor retention is down. Yeah. Because it's not that they're annoyed. It's that they're not hearing from us. Yeah. The biggest reasons a donor will continue to give is because they've received a personal thank you yeah. for acknowledgement for their gift right so communication and follow-up is so important mm -hmm. a fun little fact is that the average american sees ten thousand ads every single day whether oh that is a slogan on their toothpaste bottle okay. or they walk by and see a billboard mm -hmm. we are inundated yeah, and with information, information yeah. right yeah. so for your nonprofit, i just encourage you your donors are seeing thousands of messages every single day and you're not bothering them. Right. You're making sure that your message stays top of mind mm -hmm. by regularly communicating with them. And what are some of the ways you think we could use technology yeah. to do this? And I mean, to do it in a more personal way. So mm -hmm. I don't want people to think, oh, I'm just mean sending an email newsletter and, yeah. you know, spamming people. But how can we use technology to maybe insert more humanism into our communications right. and communicate more. Well, it's funny you mentioned humanism, but I'm going to talk about data. Sure. <laughs> so you know what? The, the, the two go hand in hand. Yeah. On face value, when you think data, you don't think, oh, this is very personal and warm and fuzzy. But yeah. data is what lets you get that warm and fuzzy That's connection. True. That's very true. So if you can segment your donor audience on um, your first time donors, your repeat supporters, and send communications to those groups specifically or different groups based on their interests. That data should be in your CRM. Yes. You can create lists and upload it to your different email provider, whether that's constant contact, um, Gmail, whatever it may be. And then you can kind of write to their experience mm -hmm. with your nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So that's one way we see communication really helping. Chat GPT, of yep. course. Yes. Um, I don't think that Chat GPT should produce your final email draft by any means, but, no, but it's good to do first it. First draft. Yeah, first draft. And yeah. social media posts, too. 100%. You can use that as a tool to save time so that you can spend more time thinking about your different donor segments and how you can communicate with them more often. Yeah, I love that. I love that. What, so, what are some other tools or technology you think, or some other ways that we can increase donor retention? Other ways, um, donor surveys, yeah. right? So something that I think any team can do mm -hmm. is whether it's weekly or monthly, pull a report, look at who your first times are that oh. gave. And, and then there's that data piece yep, again. Data, yep. it all goes back to that. Yep. Um, and then have someone on your team, maybe it's yourself, maybe it's your executive director, make thank you calls to those first time donors. Right. It can even be donors that give in memory of someone's passing. You have a really special opportunity yeah. to cap, well, not really capitalize, but recognize how giving impacts someone's life and is a part of their legacy. Yeah. Um, that exactly. personal outreach, even if it goes to someone's voicemail, 
right. means a lot. Right. They right. don't have to answer. And no. frankly, most donors may not if they're not familiar with your phone number. But still, I encourage you, call, leave a voicemail, and I guarantee that'll leave a lasting impression. Yeah, I love that. And then send an engagement survey. Yeah. There's, see how they want to be yeah. engaged with. Exactly. See what kind of communications exactly. they want to get from you. Yeah. Okay. And I've, I've seen a lot of actual data around um, <laughs> how the most important types of communication to donors are around impact stories, like the mm-hmm. impact that their gift has made. Oh, for sure. So we focus so much on sending news and announcements and our agenda and what mm-hmm. we want to communicate. But I think creating a survey or, or t- even talking to donors more yeah. can help you create that content. Yeah. And if you just systematize it, like I'm thinking you could just do that every month, look at your first time donors and then block it out in your calendar. Every yep. last Friday of the month, we're going to do a phone-a-thon, you know, yep. all first time donors. The key here is just making it part of your daily, making it your routine, making it your routine right? Habit. And that's kind of why we say retention should be your North star. If yep. that's your guiding principle, you make it a priority. It's yep. on the calendar and we know that acquiring new donors cost 10 to 20 times more right. than retaining a donor. Mm-hmm. So really retention saves money and can provide better fundraising ROI yeah. overall. No, we are so focused on donor acquisition, especially in the work that I do with social yeah. media marketing. And I do think that changing it to how can we surprise, delight, yep. engage, inspire our donors that we have, we have them right yeah, now. Exactly. Um, oh, I think that's so great. So, I know that there there have been a lot of really huge challenges for fundraisers, mm-hmm. whether it's in their personal, professional lives. Like, what are some of the things you're seeing? Because you work yeah. with fundraisers every day. Well, we're in a cost of living crisis. Uh, I don't think that's any secret to anybody tuning no, in. No, um, it's, it's really bad. Since 2020, the cost of everyday products has risen 5%. Interest rates are crazy. Have not raised 5%. <laughs> yeah. And you also have like a workplace shortage. Yes. So more nonprofits now than in 2020 have vacancies. So there's oh. increased pressure right. to raise more, but there's less people to do the job. So yeah. you have this pressure cooker of different stressors that are placed on fundraisers yeah. to effectively raise more with less, it's less really support, less team members. Great. No, it's really bad. I. I just think of some of the fundraisers that really love what they do, yeah. but they are forced to leave the sector mm. for economic reasons or the nonprofit is struggling financially and has to lay people off. Yeah. Um, I know that it's just, it's just been, it's I been think, a really tough few years yeah, for the sector. It definitely has. And for everybody listening or tuning in, yeah. Julie and I, we see you, we yes. want to support you the best way yes, we, we can. Do. And we just applaud you for your work and your dedication to the sector. Um, Absolutely. mm -hmm. I was going to say another trend, but I think I forgot it. Um, Oh, overturning or challenging the overhead narrative, right? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Did you see Uncharitable? I haven't seen it. I've heard so much about it. Yes, that's what they're trying to do. It's Dan Pallada's new movie, actually, documentary. Um, And I think it's available. It's been playing at local theaters, like sometimes a foundation mm-hmm. will will host it. Um, but I'm sure if you email them, you can get a copy. But that's exactly what yeah. they're trying to do. But talk more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, for a while, most of us know that low overhead has been a metric for effectiveness. It's not profit. The less you spend on administrative costs, the more effective you must be. Mm-hmm. 
But the reality is, like I said, we're facing workforce shortages, mm -hmm. the doers that make this good work possible mm -hmm. and help change mm -hmm. our communities. And we need to pay the right people to stay, yeah. you know, and it takes talent. Mm -hmm. It takes time. It takes education and skill to be a fundraiser, mm -hmm. to be a marketer for a nonprofit. These are really valuable skill sets and professional qualities mm -hmm. that nonprofit employees bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to pay them work oh, yeah. and we have sessions here um that i'll be talking about too uh, mm -hmm. as to how fundraisers themselves and fundraising leaders can work to raise money for their staff oh, whether yeah. it's promotions adding new staff i really think that that should be a focus for us especially if yep. you're stressed you're a leader on a team and you know that you need more people oh, how gosh. can we build pathways to talk about the value of our staff and, and be supportive. I mean, if, yeah. if someone is isolated and yeah. thinks that they don't matter or that the work that they do doesn't matter, that's going to be conveyed to For sure. in the communications or on a major donor call or yeah. in a grant proposal. Um, I think that's so important. The overhead, the overhead. <laughs> but that's so interesting. Technology, the world of technology. Mm. Do you feel that this overhead narrative, the scare mindset, mm. like we have to, do everything with nothing. We have to bootstrap our way, you know, out in the world. But do you think we can combat that? We can overcome that? Yeah, absolutely. And nonprofits do not invest in technology. Mm. Or they, well, that's a blank statement. <laughs> a lot do, but I think there is that, um, there is that mindset right. that we yeah. can't afford it. We can't get a database. We can't get an online fundraising right. software. We can't um, do any of these, use any of these tools because it'll, cost too much money and our donors will find out. Right. I and mean, then, I think the big thing for me that I then ask is how much is an hour of your time worth? Exactly. Right? When it comes to data entry or even donor records, oh, if mail you, merges. Yeah. Mail merge. Girl no. So yeah, bad. Yes. No, people are if people remember mail merge, yeah. You're you're definitely like having post traumatic stress right now. Right. Exactly. <laughs> or yeah. manually printing name tags from yes. a spreadsheet yeah. for an event. That was the personal bane of my existence. Oh my God. Um, remember that. But yeah, how much is an hour of your time worth? Yep. If you could save hours doing manual data entry, yeah. how much money would you be saving in the long term? Right. A lot of what technology can do is help with efficiency yeah. and save time so yeah. that fundraisers can spend more time building relationships on strategizing big picture and really tailoring their communications to the donor experience. Right. So we're at the start of the year. It's a new year. I'm mm -hmm. hoping that a lot of, you know, resolutions have been made. Goals have been set. I know I put my goals on a big whiteboard Beautiful. in my office. I've been thinking, I wanted to ask you what kinds of tech should be in a fundraiser's toolbox, like a mm -hmm. modern fundraiser's toolbox. A modern fundraiser definitely needs a CRM. Yeah. House your donor data and your donor records in a secure place. That's what a CRM offers. Mm -hmm. I know for some nonprofits, an Excel spreadsheet may be where they're at right now. Yeah. The danger with that is a lot of times those donor records, they contain confidential information. And so having a CRM yeah. is a really secure way to store those records, to update notes on your donors based on their interests or conversations you mm -hmm. may have absolutely a necessity um a fundraising platform yes. so you have a place that houses the data and then you have the tools on the front end to seamlessly acquire donations and process donations 
Um, so for example, at QGIF, that looks like online event registration forms, a donation page on your website. A lot of what we saw in 2020 was this just influx of nonprofits right. that hadn't really embraced digital or online giving yet. All of a sudden, the world shut down and they needed something mm -hmm. to process gifts online. Right. I absolutely yes. think that every organization, people go to your website, they should be able to easily to donate when they land on your homepage. Yeah. It's yeah. critical. Yeah. And there's so many, there's so many pieces to that, but I see yeah. our job as fundraisers as knocking down obstacles to giving. Yep. So if you don't have an updated donate page or if you only have a PayPal button or if you, you know, if you don't take all sorts of different forms of payment, mm -hmm. then that is an obstacle that is being exactly. put up and put in front of a donor exactly. and giving them a reason to click away. Or if your page doesn't load or if you can't mm -hmm. use it on a phone. So thinking of technology as a way to eliminate these obstacles and For sure. friction For sure. that happens. I just, I always think about how can we be better? Like, how can we be more like Amazon or Netflix? Exactly. Or, because Amazon knows what, exactly what I want to buy before I even know, yeah. you know? And Netflix knows what I want to watch before I want to watch it. Yeah. And recommends things to me and yeah. remembers me. And you feel like it's that like personal process. Yeah. I did get an email this December from um, the Wikimedia Foundation. Okay. So the people that run Wikipedia. Okay. They're, they do a fabulous job fundraising, mm -hmm. but they literally just send me a little table that says the years I've been donating and how much I've donated. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I think, oh, I don't want to break my streak. That's just something that <laughs> I think of. Like, it's just important yeah. to me. Um, I should definitely become a monthly donor then so I don't break my streak. But that's so easy to do. Yeah. If you have that data, you could just automatically import it into, into this email mm -hmm. and then the donor feels seen. I yep. feel like they know who I am. They know I've been donating for 10 years. Yep. And, and I just, it helps me feel like they care. They know as much of a transaction. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so great. And also personalization too. Oh Technology my God. can help you with yes. personalization. Absolutely. And like mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier, chat GPT for first drafts yeah. of social posts, appeals, you name it. Right. It can be an incredible resource yeah. when you have a writer's block or feel stuck. Um different email tools. If you have constant contact or something like that, you can upload your lists into that provider, yeah. send different tailored communications. Mm -hmm. And most email providers are pretty easy to use. Mm -hmm. I so, use ConvertKit and I love them. Yeah. They didn't work for me today, but it's okay. <laughs> we'll let them pass. Yes, we'll let them pass. Um, but what I enjoy, I love, you can add tags mm -hmm. and segments and segmentation. Mm -hmm. Uh, there is a learning curve there, you know? Right. So w the other question I have is about the learning curve or even about skepticism. Mm. How can we convince the higher ups at our organization or maybe the decision makers, if we're not the decision maker, to invest or even just to try something? Yeah. You know? Well, I think look at performance, right? Look at your team's performance and your fundraising performance over the past couple right. of years. If you're stagnant or have declined in fundraising revenue, like a lot of nonprofits in the country, now is time to change. You know, the definition of insanity means the same thing over and over again, yeah. knowing that it's not working, right? So if you're feeling stuck, if certain strategies aren't producing the way they used to, that's one reason to advocate for change. We're yes. trying something new. Um, 
cost savings. So the amount of time that your staff spends doing manual tasks, mm -hmm. how could a piece of technology save Absolutely. those hours of time? And what is that time worth? Yeah. That's something that I, when I was a fundraiser, presented to my superiors. And how can this technology help us raise more? Like you said, yeah. take away barriers to giving. Mm -hmm. We had a um, faculty and staff campaign where I worked and there were people with doctorates calling my office saying, how do I donate? I can't figure this out. Oh my. And that was a wake up call. It was like, if we have yeah. actual doctors here who can't figure this out, yeah. that means we need an easier online process. Oh, clearly. That's so crazy. yeah, those are the things I would say to like, but really that's good. Focus on an advocate part. I think that's also something maybe to put in the donor survey or yeah. to make, make sure that you do an online donation yourself so you see mm -hmm. the process. That's the first thing I do when I work with a client is yep. I go through it and I say, pretend that I might've heard of them on the radio or I've heard their name. So I have to Google mm -hmm. them. And then how easy is it to find their website? How easy is it to find the donate button? How easy is it to navigate? For sure. And I think um, being that aware of mm -hmm. what your donors are going through, that's what I really think all fundraisers should be doing. Donors too, maybe their own organization, but donate to other people. You learn a lot. Save those direct mails save those emails, mm -hmm. screenshot social media posts. I have thousands yeah. of screenshots of social media posts. Um, how do you see social media playing a role mm -hmm. in fundraising in 2024? I see social media almost, yeah. it's been the same for me for several years. Yeah. I really see it as a storytelling tool. Yes. So I agree. social media is a place for connection, community building. Um, younger donors, especially, we're talking millennials, Gen Z, when they want to make a charitable gift, mm -hmm. one of the first places they'll visit is a nonprofit social media pages. Right, right. And that goes That's for true. other generations of donors as well. One of the places they'll go is a nonprofit's website yeah. or their social media pages to learn more about them and to make a decision. So social media, I think, plays a really critical role. Mm -hmm. And nonprofits should really kind of take advantage of it repurpose what you can. Yep. If you have an email newsletter going out that highlights a specific story, break that apart and then share it on social media. Make it more than just fundraising asks. Use it as a channel to really nurture your audience, tell them feel good stories, mm -hmm. and even do staff spotlights. So educate your audience on the staff at your organization, what to do, yeah. what is most fulfilling for them. No, I think it's a great idea. I really, I've always thought that social media is really more top of funnel. And yeah, people, for sure. So like to not think of it as integral to your fundraising as maybe email mm -hmm. or your website or your events, but it, right. it's supposed to be that community building, that trust and affinity mm -hmm. building. Mm -hmm. That's something that I have seen that I think is a trend, um, that's an unfortunate trend, is yeah. the lack of trust that people mm -hmm. have for nonprofits. Yeah. Um, there's just so much bad media out there. Yeah. There's so many, there's just, Netflix documentary, the telemarketing scams. I don't know if you watched that. No. It's good to watch it because it's people raising money fraudulently and posing oh, as fundraisers. No. But people watch that and they think, why can't know, I trust these organizations? I can't trust. And every Giving Tuesday, I get asked by friends and family and mm -hmm. other people that I know, who can I donate to in the community? Like, does $5 matter? Yeah. We need to do a better job in the sector of telling people. $5, $10 really matters. Monthly donations really, really matter. Mm -hmm. I think that people think they, you know, regular lay people think they need to be Bill Gates or, you know, Mackenzie Scott to make a difference. You don't. And the truth <laughs> is, yeah, the truth is that you really don't. Yeah. Okay. What do you see as some of the biggest 
other maybe tech challenges coming up mm. this year? Hmm. See, interconnectedness will always be a hurdle. Right. So making sure you're different technology, to talk to each other, yeah. that you can seamlessly import, don't worry, vice versa. Um, I think security as well. For a lot of fundraisers, you may receive different um, fake email requests, phishing requests, yes. different spam calls. Yeah. Just to be aware that, yeah. that security is increasingly important and something to be monitored and aware of. Um, because you do house personal data and giving records. Mm -hmm. um, data privacy is a big one. Yeah, data privacy. And I think personalizing communications <laughs> when we have technology that can yeah. make it imperfect. Right. So Chad GPT right in the peel for first time donors. Right. right. I think that I think that's absolutely right is to use these tools, especially something like Chat mm -hmm. GPT, almost like you would work with an intern. Right. Like if you're get if it's like garbage in, garbage out it bad data combing through it or your your data privacy is lack or you don't have consumer protections on things i think that's really going to increase your chances yeah. of making a mistake but yeah but, forget personalization no. there is still even with technology and we may joke about ai taking our jobs yeah they're still necessary right it's that magic touch in a person the personalization yes. that fundraisers add yes it's like our donation forms for example mm -hmm. they're beautiful i love them but we're going to tell a nonprofit, customize it, make it tell your story, use your brand colors, images, yep. and add it to the form. That will just make it more effective. Yeah. And so the techniques certainly help streamline giving and make it easier. But that personalization that a nonprofit fundraiser does yeah. just takes it to another level. Oh, I love that. And that touch that you have, that special mm -hmm. sauce that you have, that almost like um, putting your fingerprints on it. Yeah. Where you can get a great outline or you can get the data set from the tool, but you need to make it your own and you For sure. put your own personal spin on it. So tell us about Boomerang and <laughs> you give and the big news. So hey, last, this is exciting. last week we got to announce that Bloomerang has acquired QGIV. So what that means is QGIV is joining the Bloomerang team. Yeah. Um, Bloomerang is a fundraising CRM. Yeah. And when we talk about housing donor data, that's what they do. Okay. And QGIV is the front end. So fundraising tools, event software, okay. things to help make getting easier. Um, QGIV is not riding off into the sunset and disappearing. We are really excited because this is a great opportunity to invest even more in our fundraising technology. Yeah. Make these tools even better. Oh, nice. And partnering with Bloomerang, the vision is really we're bringing data together, okay. right? So traditionally, a CRM and maybe a fundraising platform are two separate tools right. that users log into different ones. The Frankensteining of yes. the tools together. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that happens a lot. And so we really feel like the future of fundraising mm -hmm. is and continuing to make the technology we have more accessible, easier to use fundraisers. So with them, I think that's what's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. I I love that so much. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, um, it is. Who should be looking at the Bloomerang QGive conglomerate? Like, tell us about your clients. Well, <laughs> we primarily serve small to medium-sized organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, 
a wide array of mission areas. We work with different youth development organizations like mm -hmm. Junior Achievement, um, animal rights and welfare organizations, SPCAs, humane societies, um, YMCAs, all sorts of nonprofits, even religious affiliated organizations as well, right? We supply tools to help them um, raise money online. So a wide array, wide array of organizations. If you're in the business of raising money, which hopefully you are, yes. <laughs> if you're tuning into this, yep. then you could benefit from these tools. Yeah. I think it's really exciting. It is. When does it officially become the it, new platform? <laughs> well, it has the technically officially already happened. Okay. The deal has been signed, um, but we're going to be working gradually in the future yeah. to kind of make the two systems even more interconnected. And this doesn't mean that we're getting rid of any of our integrations, especially with yeah. other CRMs in the space. We'll only continue to improve those, but I would just tell folks, Follow us on social media, QGive and Bloomerang for more updates on what the future may hold yeah. and how we'll be bringing these two systems together. Yay. And you can go to my website, uh, jcsocialmarketing.com slash QGive, Q-G-I-V, yes. um, to sign up and get your new fundraising report and then get, uh, this is my fundraising t-shirt, yes. which I should have worn today, actually. <laughs> I love mine. Just got a brand new one at the conference. Um, it's white, actually posted it on social media. I absolutely love it. So what are some final thoughts that you have around how, how fundraising is going to be affected by technology? Um, my final thoughts would just really be an encouragement. Mm -hmm. I like going out on a positive yes. note, right? Yeah, I do too. We may be seeing some um, concerning trends, but I think it's important to just take a step back and really appreciate the work that we're doing in this space and in the sector. We know that nonprofits are working so hard to make a difference in the world. Um, so take encouragement in that. There are so many people that see you and appreciate you. Um, and technology can help. Technology at its best can simplify processes and save you time. So you can spend more time raising money, connecting donors, and serving those at the heart of your mission. Where can people find more about you on social? I'm on LinkedIn, LinkedIn for sure. Mm -hmm. Melena Cromie. It's a tough one to spell. There's a lot of vowels in there. So <laughs> Julie, I'm sure you'll link I'll to it. I'll put a link in the show notes of the podcast um, and also in the link um, on LinkedIn. So Yeah. And then QGive is just QGIV.com. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. We're there. Um, and then Bloomerang is the same as well. People okay. can learn more about Bloomerang by just going to B-L-O-O-M-E-R-A-N-G.com. Yes, wonderful. Thanks so much. Thanks um, for having me. So I'm so excited. What, what's next for the conference? Oh, my goodness. So much. So much. It's, yeah. We've got sessions on AI. Um, we're going to be talking about QGIF's sustainable giving report. Oh, yeah talking about the importance of board diversity, how people yes. can make the most out of different fundraising tools and softwares. And of course, we're in Orlando. So tonight, mm -hmm. people may be heading to the parks, <laughs> seeing yep. fireworks, whatever else is going on. Guardians of the Galaxy ride <laughs> yep. that I got to go on. Yep. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. So just a lot of good time to connect yeah. with fellow fundraisers. Yeah, it's really fun. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. And um, to everyone listening, watching, maybe listening to the podcast after the live stream, thank you so much. Um, if you want to learn more, like you could, like I said, you can go to my website, go to my LinkedIn, 
and I'll be posting all of the links for us. So thank you. Awesome. Yay. Okay, thank you. I think that it... Um...